Welcome to Play by Players, an MLSPA podcast. This show is brought to you by the players and is all about the players, both past and present, who have plied their trade in MLS. You'll hear about each player's journey into the game, their careers and life after the game, on the field and off. It's all on the table. Now here's your host, former MLS player, Bobby Boswell. All right. Hey, everybody. Thanks for uh, for tuning in. We've got a, a special guest today, a guy that's been a MLS Cup champion, a Supporter Shield winner. Uh, he was a, a winner pretty much at all phases of his of his soccer playing days. And he also has some incredible things going on um, in his personal life off the field. Um, but please welcome to the podcast, Justin Morrow. What's up, Bobby? How you doing, man? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Uh, how's everything going uh, in your world? Yeah, I'm doing all right. I'm over here in Hartford, Connecticut, where we're finishing out the season. You know, the Canadian teams have had to move south. I feel like that's kind of been a, an underplayed story in Major League Soccer, what we're going through here, but we're holding up all right. Yeah, you know, just you go away from your family for the MLS Cup is back, or MLS is back, and then um, they just don't tell anyone you're also MLS is away uh, for, for all you <laughs> Canadian guys. And, um, you know, how, how are you guys handling it, y'all? I imagine the uh, the aura of like being together as a group has kind of lost its, uh, its way. It's just kind of more of a grind at this point. Yeah, it comes and goes. Um, for the most part, we've been doing pretty well. The results have been on our side. So that always helps, you know, it's never, it's never good when you're on the road for a long time and, and the losses are piling up. So we've been on the good side of that. Uh, the team morale has been good. And we're getting back to see our families every couple of weeks or so. We get back for two days. And so that's like a little refresher. And then we're back in the saddle again. So looking forward to finishing out the season here on a good note. Yeah, and I know, I know lately, um, you know, we'll get into some of the stuff you have going on. But you in particular, um, you, you've been, you know, I know you've, you're doing a bunch of these. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're doing a, a bunch of media. Um, you're doing a ton of meetings with, you know, I'm impressed just the, some of the people you're meeting with and talking with on a regular basis. How are you holding up physically? I mean, uh, I, I never tell someone they look tired, but I, I know you're probably tired with, with in practice and then everything else you have going on um, off the field. Yeah, it's been a lot. I'm not going to lie. It's been, it's been a lot. Um, some of the days I'm amazed that I'm, I'm getting through it the way I am, but I just have a, a really good support team around me you know my family first and foremost and then the club has done an amazing job to keep all of the guys happy um you know really well taken care of off the field so that's been a good help of mine but yeah it's been some heavy lifting these past couple of months and I've had some good help okay well uh you know let's get into you a little bit uh we we talked before the podcast started you know I I, I reached out to some of my Ohio buddies uh, some of my some of my favorite players I played with were were guys from where you're from, um, and they're they're all you know all walks of life different, and uh, they all have one thing in common, man. They just dog Florida, and uh, we go back and forth on it. And I know you had some time in Florida, really my hometown in Tampa. I mean, are we going to be cool with this? Or are you kind of looking at me as this uh, this crazy dude from down south? <laughs> I got I got some crazy experiences in Florida. Um, my a big part of my family is from Florida. So my mom, she grew up in a family with five other sisters, so six daughters total, and a lot of them live in Florida. So I would go down to Florida all the time when I was 
younger and got some good experiences there. But then as I grew up, um, my first two years in the league, I was on loan in Tampa Bay and got to experience in that as an adult, which is a whole other thing. And so, yeah, I got, <laughs> I got some love for Florida. It's not all hate. Okay. Well, that's one way to describe, you know, you had some stories. That's usually where it ends, especially when cameras are on, um, <laughs> talking about my hometown. But um, you brought up your mom. I know you're a big family guy. Uh, you come from a family of, of athletes. Uh, your, your dad was an athlete, I think a wrestler, right? And, yep. and your mom played uh, hockey and they met in college. Is that is that accurate? Correct. Yeah, my mom played field hockey. My dad was a wrestler at Ohio University. That's where they met. Yeah, and then I always joke around, like, my dad was this uh, guy from Mississippi that always told me he could uh, whoop my ass if ever we had it. <laughs> and I, I say, based on your dad, I think he was a police officer, too. So I think uh, he, he could probably take you if, if, uh, if push came to shove. Is that true? Yeah, he definitely toughened me up a bit. My uh, Some of my fondest memories of him trying to teach me wrestling holds and me just wanting no part of it at all. And then as time got on and, and he realized that I wasn't going to be a wrestler, he would still try and, and fit some moves into the soccer world and teaching me how to use my hips and positioning my body. <laughs> and uh, I mean, those are, those are things you just never forget as a, as a son. So I, I love him for it, but yeah, there's not too much to translate there from the wrestling mats out to the soccer pitch. And it, was he okay with soccer or was he, did he fight it for a little while? No, he was great. And to be honest, I, I did everything under the sun in terms of sports growing up. You know, I did, I was heavy into track, uh, played a little bit of basketball. I would have played football, but they, they ended up not letting me because they didn't pass my physical. That's a whole nother story, but I, I did everything. And so eventually when it weeded out to soccer, he was, he was cool with it knowing that I gave everything else a shot. Yeah, well, that's cool. And then, you know, we talk about uh, the land or Cleveland, um, mm -hmm. talk about uh, Ohio in general is just a hotbed uh, for soccer. There's so many guys that have come out of there, some really great players. I mean, uh, I, I saw something that said you, you went undefeated as the nationally ranked number one school in, in the country in high school. Is that y'all didn't lose a game for like 30, 35 games or something crazy? Yeah, that was – so we won my junior year, which was the first state title for my high school. And then we continued that streak into my senior year where we didn't, we didn't lose a game. And we had some, some really fantastic players, a lot of good players that went on to Division One programs. And it's just really great memories, uh, friendships that last a lifetime. You know, some of my closest friends are still those guys. And it's really like – where you where you learn about winning you know like like you said I just have a pedigree of winning and it, it starts at the young ages and so I'm really happy I was able to have that experience at such a top caliber high school yeah I think I uh, I think I went like 28 games in high school where we didn't win a game so I think you know it balances itself out You're, <laughs> you don't lose a game we don't win a game um, but but you brought your high school up your high schools uh you know it's a pretty pretty popular high school. I, you know, I, I love, I love, uh, I'm fascinated with the guys in the league. So I always do a deep dive in, into them and, uh, like your high school now, you can always go look and see who the famous alums are. Um, and, and there's <laughs> some, there's some, cool, there's, there's some cool connections. You're on there. I'm not even on mine. <laughs> so if that makes you feel, you know, soccer's not a real big thing in Tampa. So I, I don't, yeah, I'm, I'm happy with that. I'm not in the hall of fame yet. I'm still waiting on that one. 
Yeah, well, it looks like I think you're going to make it because um, there's like they write like blogs about you there. And uh, it's a good, great place to uh, to learn a little bit more about you. But, you know, I saw Brian Hoyer, you know, the quarterback. Yeah. And then the, the, the crazy one is uh, Oliver Luck went there. And for those mm-hmm. that don't don't know who Oliver Luck is, Oliver Luck was uh, basically responsible for helping bring the, the Houston Dynamo Stadium uh, into the city of Houston. Uh, and he was our team president when I got traded here. So, um you know, he's the father of Andrew Luck. So, yeah, uh, good family. Believe- they're, they're a big soccer family. Andrew, when I was out in, in San Jose, Andrew was at Stanford, and we would cross paths a little bit because they were involved with the earthquakes. He did, like, an internship there. And then I had, like, a, a small stint with the national team. Um, I went to the – I was on the bench for Snow Classico. And then the next game we were in Azteca, and he – Andrew Luck went to the game in Mexico and, and we came back on the plane together cause we were both going back to the Bay area. So, uh, really good family. Nice, nice people. Yeah. Andrew's great. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that's awesome that he's just flying around the world watching soccer while, yeah. while, while you're really going to play. But, um, so let's talk about, you go from, uh, you go from your, your area in Cleveland or in Ohio and you go to Notre Dame. Uh, I just talked to Chris Rolfe. He was like, Oh, that's a Notre Dame guy. Uh, and I, I said, Chris, I was, what in the heck is the, uh, the monogram club? And he couldn't explain it to me. What, what is this monogram club you guys have at Notre Dame? The monogram club is like a, is the varsity letter club. You know, you get, you get a monogram for every year that you're a varsity athlete. Uh, I was a four year monogram winner. Uh, so that gives you like a, a different status, but then you can also, um, pay into it when you're alumni to help support the programs, to help support events that are happening around the university and around the different, um, the different athletic programs because of the alumni network being so good. Like they, they do a lot of events when they travel to different, to different cities. Um, so a lot of these alumni show up, they put, they host parties, host barbecues, all these different things. So um, just a really nice way to be involved with the, with the program when you're not, actually playing there anymore and support the university yeah that's great i know i know people it's a great school and people are really proud to uh to be a part of it so uh and bobby clark was he the coach that brought you in there oh yeah tell me a little bit about bobby i I met bobby at stanford when i was getting recruited um but uh tell me a little bit about him your experience with him uh he was he was a great guy man like full of wisdom uh you know was the first older coach that I had, um, but full of energy. And so those, um, those two things contrast a little bit and would just leave you with very vivid images of like us running around the lake and, and him running with us, um, being in the gym, uh, him doing like bench presses and sit-ups with us. Just, just a really great guy that loved being around the team, uh, loved, molding young men into adults you know just imparted a lot of wisdom on us i think that program as much as anything uh was about us growing up as men and that was very important he was a a very good teacher and that's really what stuck out to me about bobby okay and you you had a a lot of success there i I believe you were a goal scorer going into college but he was the one that kind of moved (laughs) you around a little bit is that right yeah, I, I I played midfield the majority of college until my senior year, where we were going through a transition at left back, and 
and he threw me back there a couple of games and I did pretty well and it, it stuck throughout the year and, and that's what it was going into the draft. And I was still like, even at the combine, I played a little bit of left mid and in, in my rookie year, a little bit of left midfield as well, but that's where the transition really started. Okay. And then, you know, you got, you graduated while you were there, right? You want, you did finance. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah. I graduated in three and a half and, and, that was a little bit because I was thinking about MLS and starting up in January, but mostly because I just didn't want to go home. Okay. <laughs> you know, I just love being at school so much and, and loved having the, the freedom that that comes with that I just tried to stay on campus every summer that I could. All right. And you're, you're kind of in that, that window of, uh, you know, like PDL was a big thing kind of oh, yeah. when I was coming in and you, you had a lot of PDL experience. Um, you know, I'd say my craziest stories, whether I was a professional or, you know, post-professional before I was a professional, uh, PDL was really the big eye-opening thing for me. Um, you know, I, I also played on a team where we hired old veteran professionals as opposed to just being a bunch of college kids. But, um, you know, I know you played on a handful of teams and y'all had yeah. some, some really good ones. Uh, do, you know, do you have any crazy stories or uh, was that where you realized, all right, I'm going to do well at the next level playing, you know, with, with, with these guys? No, I mean, some crazy stories, you know, people used to give me a lot of crap because I would, I would, I switched PDL teams every summer that I was in college. So (laughs) they used to call me a traitor big time. I I played for, uh, for in South Bend, the invaders, the Indiana invaders, my, my first year. And then I played for Cleveland internationals and then I played for Chicago fire. (laughs) <laughs> and so uh those teams were always interesting because it was kind of like ragtag guys coming back home from from their college and um some guys coming from very far away but really good memories it's it's really pure memories because you know some guys are away from their families really learning if they're going to make it as you're saying learning if they're ready for the next level and and doing some pretty wild stuff to to know um, cause it's not like any of those teams are shelling out a lot of money for, for nice places to stay or, or nice food to eat or anything like that. Uh, but like a lot of good memories with guys that are playing in the league. Now the, the internationals team that I played on, uh, was so cool to be on because, um, I, I left Cleveland having gone to Notre Dame, but there was such a good talent base there. And so me being able to get back and play with those guys, um, Darlington was on that team, Steve Zakawani, uh, Ben Zemanski, Josh Williams, I think Evan Bush was on that team. So we, we had a really fun team, really good team. Basically Akron. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But like, it was, it was so much fun to play on that team. All those guys were so good. And, and then the next year when we went to Chicago, uh, played with Tim Ream, um, Seth Sinovic, um, I'm trying to remember who else who else was on that team, but there was uh, Andre Akpan. So there there was just like guys from all. I got to play with guys from all over the country, apart from my college team. That gave me a whole another experience and an outlet and understanding of like you're saying where I was at and the level and everything. So it was, it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed those days. Well, I don't have any names of professionals that I play with. <laughs> you know, talk about finance. The guy that owned our team was was like a. I think he was like one of the owners of Raymond James, like uh, yeah. like Raymond James. And so <laughs> he, I think you were allowed eight professional players, and he would give them each a blank check at the end of the year and tell them to write what they thought they earned. But he would bring in guys like we had like German players that would come in for a couple weeks. 
And we we did terrible on the road because guys would just go missing because they were just there to party. uh, (laughs) It was fun, though. I mean, we were good. Um, And that was where I first believed I could play because the coach was like, oh, you're better than these other guys that are in the league. And I was like, really? Like, (laughs) I think I was a sophomore in in college. Like, oh, this is cool. But uh, (laughs) this isn't about me and my my, my crazy Florida friends. No, Um, but it is kind of like that. You're playing with guys that you never imagined yourself playing with before from all over the world. And you're like, all right put into this together a little bit this is cool yeah no it was incredible experience I, I could do a whole podcast just on guys probably telling stories from the people they met playing pdl but that's uh that's neither here nor there um let's talk about getting drafted um you go to the second round to san jose talk to me a little bit about what you're thinking Are you excited i mean it sounds like you were prepared um you know probably went a little later than you wanted but you know talk to me a little bit about san jose no, I was I was happy to go where I where I went. Um, you know, my dream was always just to play professional soccer, and so getting that chance, I was really really excited, really excited to go out to California. Um, you know, playing in San Jose, I made some some great friends. Uh, being a part of a team that was just so passionate and full with a lot of veterans that I'm still friends with to this day, that taught me so much about competing and what it means to be a professional soccer player because really, I mean, that's, that's the biggest transition when you're coming out is, is learning the life and, and what it takes to be at that level. And I had so many good mentors, you know, you know, Jason Hernandez, Ramiro Corrales, um, all of these guys, John Bush, Joe Cannon, all of these guys that, you know, played such a big part in forming the person that I am, the player that I am today. Um, so good, good memories there. Um, Joe, Joe was Joe wasn't always a good role model. Just FYI. <laughs> I've, so I caught I caught all these guys on the back end, Joe and, yeah. and Ramiro, and, and, and there were <laughs> there were some other guys on those squads that were not good role models, uh, but they were probably a little closer in age to you. Uh, Wando Wando was really great with me. You know, when I've told this story before, but the the first weekend we were there, all the rookies were staying in this motel, and and he drove down from Danville, which is where he lives pretty far away. It's like, let's, let's say an hour away. And he picked us up in his Ford Explorer and, and took us out for a night out and, and treated us all very well. And that was like my first experience with Wanda. I was like, wow, this guy's really cool. And he, he wasn't even playing at that point. You know, he wasn't a starter. I was there for the full evolution of Wando. And I know um, that the way he is today, like the genuine type of guy that he's always been that type of guy, which is really cool to see. Well, you've got kids now, so you understand that sometimes you gotta, you gotta have team outings with the younger guys. To, <laughs> you gotta be a good professional and, and, yeah, and bond. Right. You know? I'm sure he used that excuse very oh, quickly. Yeah. He's still using it, I'm sure. But um, so, so, you know, San Jose wasn't exactly, um, you know, your rise was pretty quick, but it didn't happen right away. Um, you know, you hinted at going to Tampa earlier, you get loaned out. Um, I think they found the farthest team they could send you to um, on the other <laughs> side of the country. But um, were you okay going on lower division team? Yeah, I was happy to go. I think for me, it was it was also learning about where I stood in, in the pecking order and what I could accomplish and what level I was at. I was still mentally fragile in that state in the beginning stages because I was switching to to left back. I was learning a whole new position, relying a lot on instincts, and that's just not enough to get you through in Major League Soccer. 
And so I was learning from Bobby Combi. I was learning from Ramiro Corrales, but I needed some playing time. So to be able to go to Tampa and get a lot of games in, in a relatively short period of time was invaluable for me. And it gave me a lot of confidence mentally to be able to come back and say, okay, I'm, I can do it at the major league soccer level too. Yeah. And then speaking of coming back, uh, your 2012, that, that season, um, if it weren't for, I think 17, it would probably be your, you know, anyone's dream season. Um, you know, you have another one coming up after that, but, um, talk to me a little bit. I think you get, you're a, you're an all-star, uh, that's your only time you were an all-star, uh, but you get called into the national team. Y'all win the supporters shield. Um, I mean, that's a pretty big, pretty big rise pretty quick. I mean, how'd you, how'd you handle that? Do you think that was inevitable? Like you were going to have that success or did it kind of catch you off guard? I, you know, I wasn't, I couldn't even grasp the, the gravity of it in the moment. I, and I wasn't really trying to, I was just completely in the moment, uh, really focused on every game, really enjoying it because of the type of team we were on. Yeah. Um, I mean, we, we didn't hold anything back in these games, you know, we went for it from, from the first kick. And so to play like that is just a really, a really fun way to play. And so I was just really enjoying it. And I think, um, it caught up to me probably in, in 2013, you know, when you're talking about maturing and understanding what it means to, to be a winner over and over again in major league soccer, you know, everyone's, everyone's taught lessons. And I think that's what that 2013 year was. Um, and still a big stepping stone for me to what I was able to achieve after that. So both 2012 and 2013 were important lessons for me. Yeah. Then I've got the Canada Jersey. I think that yeah. was your, your first cap, uh, with, yeah. the, with the U S team. And I think you were called in for some qualifiers, which is uh, pretty cool. And, yeah. um, you know, and then, Let's just talk about this fast forward. You get traded. Um, I know you've talked about this before, but a pretty cool story on how you found out you got traded. And by pretty cool, I mean, it sounds horrible. <laughs> it sounds horrible to me. And I know my wife wouldn't be happy about this. Uh, you know, tell the listeners what happened. To, uh, you know, how'd you find out you had been traded? Yeah, so my, my wife is from Paraguay. And we had the wedding down there. So, um First weekend in December, we're, we're down there um, getting everything ready for the wedding. As you can imagine how stressful that is. Not that I was stressed. My wife was handling everything. God bless her. But <laughs> we're, go we're going through a lot down there. And I just get an email from our GM saying, can you, we need to talk and can you call me immediately when you get this? And like, Never good. When you get it, when you get it, you know, and it was, it was the day before our wedding. Um, and so I give him a call and he's like, yeah, you know, Toronto, it's going to be a really good opportunity for you. Say, thank you. And I just turned to my wife and, and she had no idea what was coming. And, uh, I, I let her know. And, and to be honest, she was, she was really thrilled. She was, she was happy because it was like, it was like we were starting on this new journey together as a couple. Yep. What better way to start off than in a brand new city that um, we had heard really good things about? The only question was like, do we tell people right now or do we wait till after the wedding? You know? Yeah. And she was like, no, let's just, they're going to find out. Let's just tell them right now. Otherwise, everyone will be whispering and it'll be more awkward than it should be. So we told everyone and, and we made it a thing. So it was a nice start to our marriage. 
Yeah, no, that's awesome. And, um, you know, were you pretty upset with the, the I, I know you're excited about the new opportunity, but uh, did it catch you out of the blue or, or, you know, what were you thinking at the time? Um, it, it did and it didn't. I was, um, you know, they had brought someone else in to play left back at the end of 2013. I wasn't playing as much anymore. And there was some talks afterwards about, you know, what's, what's going to happen with me. But I was a, a fairly young player at the time. And I thought, you know, I saw myself in San Jose for a good number of years. So I thought, okay, you know, they're going to they're gonna stick with me. And it didn't happen that way. But, you know, when I look back on it, and this is what I was trying to say, it was just such an important experience for me to go through as a player and really propelled me in, in my competitive mentality to where I am today and the things that I was able to achieve. So it, it, it did, and it didn't catch me off guard. Okay. Well, let's fast forward, um, you know, a couple, I say, you know, MOS, I call them MOS years, you know, meaning you, mm -hmm. you played them, but there's, there's always stories in the story, but um, I kind of want to fast forward to 16. Um, you know, y'all start really having some success. Um, you know, you've got one of the, you know, better redemption stories is what I call it. And, um, you know, I, I always, I, as a fan of the game now, and, and even when I played, you know, I love my guys. Um, like I remember when Salt Lake played Kansas City and Lavelle Palmer hit the crossbar. Um, like I was just devastated and I didn't even care who won the game. Like I just, but it's yeah. like one of those where, you know, and I, I don't want to bring up, you know, you missing a penalty kick, but you know, that's one of those things where, like, I never – like, I feel like at that point the game's – it is what it is, and it's just like, yeah. you know, you don't really win. I mean, you do, but you don't. Um, but let's talk about 16 and then, you know, this this penalty shootout. I mean, I didn't even realize it sounds like you volunteered to take the sixth shot because it goes to yeah. sudden death. Is that, I mean, is that is that real? Like, I don't have an order. No, yeah, that's that's real. We didn't, we didn't practice penalty kicks or have a set order or anything, and so – the the background story on that was that I was I had a really good year personally as well with within the team. Um, I consider it one of you know up there with any of the other top years that I've had. I had five goals and four assists from from left back. Um, so that yeah. was hat trick that year. No, that was twenty seventeen. Oh yeah, that this just is, the old. <laughs> no, no, that was that was the next year. Yeah, so, okay. yeah. 20, 2016, I I was getting into the attack very well, and I was helping out on both sides of the ball, and so I felt really confident. Um, you know, I had some some other good plays in in the playoffs that helped us win, and so you know we get down to this crunch time, and it was you know it was time to decide, and I was like, yeah. You know, I'll step up and do it. I've never, never taken a penalty kick in my professional career, but if not now, when? And so, uh, you know, I stepped, I stepped up with all the kind of world, and it sailed on me a little bit, hit the underside of the crossbar, and it's just, you know, it's tough in that moment when you're at home, uh, stadiums packed, millions of fans watching on ESPN, and you feel like you let everyone down. But again, you use these things as stepping stones to propel you into the next thing, and if that's the mindset that you have, then, you know, there's no, there's no failures. And so 2017 was kind of the redemption, redemption year for Toronto FC and for myself to be able to come back in a really strong way, prove to everyone that we were one of the top teams, um, prove to everyone the, the immense amount of work that we had put into that point to turn the club around and really cement ourselves at the top. Yeah, it wasn't just kind of a good year. Um, you know, I think y'all won the, the treble. Um, 
you know, you won pretty much everything you could win. Um, you know, y'all had a special team. And, and I remember, you know, I played against you with DC when you were scoring all those goals. And y'all just had a really you know, interesting way to play where, you know, you would you were able to get down the, you know, you would just, you guys would just bomb the box. And, and mm-hmm. because of the way defenders, you know, four in the back, the outside backs are like, I got my guy. And they would just come in, they would condense inside and you're just wide open for tap-ins on, on the back post. And, um, you know, it was, it was hard to play against you guys. And y'all had, you know, it helps when you have a special player and, um, you know, some of the guys y'all did have, but, yeah. um, but no, tell me, I mean, Thank you. T- talk to me a little bit about, um, you know, when in, when in a year after it, the, you know, it's gotta be, um, I mean, there's probably nothing better than, you know, especially for you, um, you know, having a great year. I think, was that, when was the gold cup? That was. Yeah, that was 2017. 2017. So, I mean, yeah. you literally, in, in one year, you won pretty much everything you were involved in. Is that, is that safe to say? Yeah, correct. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it that's incredible. One of those dream years, like you're saying, I think the the biggest part about that team, aside from the talent, was just the the mentality that we had. Like we were so bloodthirsty to to win trophies, uh, especially after 2016. Um, we knew that that we could do it, and so I think it, I think it's rare that teams set out from the first moment to win every single trophy of the season that you're involved in. But that was our goal. And that mentality was really what carried us through the season. Like we took no games off. Uh, we had a bunch of guys contribute in very big, meaningful ways off of the bench and, and very timely, important um, actions that set us up to win. And we just, we kept that going the whole year, man. Like, honestly, we, we took it as a chip on our shoulder and, and used every single possible thing as motivation uh, that people were against us. And that's really what I remember most about that team. Just sort of a lot of strong personalities that got us to that point. Yeah. And I know you've said it before, um, both teams, you know, you won the supporter shield with two, two different groups. Um, you know, that speaks to the depth of the team. And you talked about, uh, especially Toronto, just the, the level of play and practice, you know, y'all are probably practicing harder even now. I mean, you know, I know y'all, you've kind of been on this crazy run and it, you kind of hit a little bit of a hiccup recently, but, um, you know, you've got a lot of guys on your bench that are starters, um, you know, and, and y'all, you know, I'd imagine that that's, you know, credit to the organization and I know they spend some money, but there's a reason that you guys, Seattle, Portland, some of these, uh, some of these bigger clubs that spend some money and they get some depth. There's a reason they do so well. I mean, you've been very fortunate and, um, you know, to your credit, you're starting on these teams that are very deep, um, which is which is pretty impressive in my opinion. Thanks. Yeah, I, I, I think you're spot on. Like the teams that do so well are the teams that, that have guys um, 1 through 11 able to stay healthy, play at a really top level all year, but then on top of that have that extra amount of guys that come off the bench consistently and help you out in really important ways. And on top of that, they, they have a strong mentality and, and good coaching. And so I've been, like you said, really fortunate to be a part of a couple of groups like that. Um, so I don't take that for granted at all. I don't take it for granted at all. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's change the tune up a little bit. Um, tell me about what's going on. Um, you know, you're the executive director. Is that uh, yeah, correct? I have that title right. Yeah. Um, 
you know, just tell me, tell me a little bit about the, the Black Players Coalition uh, of MLS. You know, let's talk a little bit about what you have going on, what your, uh, what your mission is, what you're trying to do in terms of pushing uh, the conversations forward, not letting that go away. Yeah, out of, out of everything that's happened this year, that's been by far the most positive thing, uh, being a part of this group of, of black players that have come together within the league has been really special to me, something that's changed me as a, as a man. Uh, I've been fortunate enough to be the leader of it, but really it's been a, a group effort to get where we are today. And it's and just four short months and I give the credit to the guys they've been spending a lot a lot a lot of time on zoom um, coordinating everything but we've done everything underneath the sun to to work with the league to make change there to end systemic racism in major league soccer to you know more head coaches getting executives hired to giving more access to the game for young black boys and girls so that they can be a part of it like their counterparts. It's a really helping in our communities. Like there are just so many guys in our group that are engaged in their local communities doing really good work, whether that's pushing legislation, um, coordinating donations, money, food, um, in helping out with poverty in their local markets. Like there's just so much good work going on. And to be able to harness it and bring it under one umbrella and to bring it under a clear direction has been really fruitful for us in Major League Soccer. We have a long way to go. We have a lot of work to do. But just the group coming together was the very first start of it. And it's been beneficial ever since. So looking forward to some some more really, really great things. But we know we got a lot of hard work in front of us. Yeah, and then tell me, um, you know, and I don't want to go into any uh, I never, I never try to uh, interject myself into a locker room. Um, but you know, I miss the locker room. I, I miss, I miss that the most, right. I miss the players and the guys. Um, and I miss traveling, you know, that was a great time that <laughs> you get, you get to hang out with the people you like on the road and things like that. Uh, but, um, you know, how, how are, are there conversations going on, um, you know, with, with white players, black players, Latin players, um, you know, and, you know, how I, I get asked that question by people a lot. And it's mm-hmm. I, I'm like, guys, I, I don't play in MLS anymore. I'm not in the locker room. Um, yeah. I don't know the answers to that. But, you know, how, how do you feel the narrative is, you know, uh, and what are you hearing from other play? You know, how's Toronto and how are you hearing things from other locker rooms? Are, are guys really coming together? Are they having meaningful conversation? Are, are people not sure what to say? Um, you know, what's going on? Yeah, I've gotten that question a lot this year, too, and I think it's inevitable with everything that's gone on. Um, Of course, there's been more conversations on the topic of race this year than ever, than I've ever been a part of in this league, and that's understandable. But the important thing for us with Black Players for Change is that we don't let those conversations die down. I think we see this cycle of violence over and over again. It's like a wave or a cycle where it comes and it goes, and so... We have to make sure that it's always at the forefront of our mind that we're attacking this and, and leading the charge as a league and as a, as a soccer community, knowing that it does exist in our game. Racism does exist in our game. There's no place for it, and it's all of our responsibility to eradicate racism within the sport of soccer. And on top of that, as human beings that have such a huge platform, 
we have to use our platform in a positive way to make sure that we're affecting it outside of the game as well. And so that's what's happening starting organically in our locker rooms. Those conversations have been happening, like you're saying, on the plane, um, at the poker tables, <laughs> whatever it may be. Uh, but it's our job within Black Players for Change to make sure that doesn't die out. Okay. And then I know, uh, I know you were talking about, uh, I've heard you talk before about the, the first call with 70 guys around mm-hmm. the league. I know that was uh, pretty special and, and awesome. Um, I know you also talk to the owners and uh, I, I'm always real as a PA guy, right? We, we're not allowed to talk about the owners and things like that, but <laughs> did you, did you feel like, did you feel like there, that you were heard and that, you know, there's been some issues with the owners this year, um, unfortunately, yeah. but do you feel like they're, they're on board and supporting, you know, not just, uh, not just the players, but they're supporting black players. Yeah. we got a lot of support on the call with the owners. Um, I think it was a good time spent with them just to touch base for the very first time, introduce ourselves to them, introduce what we plan on doing within the league and explain to them why it's so crucial we need their help. And that was received very well. Um, They offered their hand of of help. And so now it's about continuing those conversations. It goes along with what I was just saying. Like it it doesn't end there. You know, this mutual respect for each other and, and what we're doing is not enough. You have to push the envelope. You have to be ready from their side, from our side to make real change. And that takes time. You know, we're not naive to think that it's going to happen within four months of our organization existing. We know that this is going to take months and months of meetings. And so what we've been able to do is set up this, this diversity subcommittee, which was announced, uh, I don't know if it was last week or two weeks ago. Uh, But as that continues to grow, and firm up that is where we're going to see a lot of this change happening within the league where it's changing bylaws changing policy updating hiring practices um implicit bias training educational trainings for coaches and staff members and all of these things that we talked about from the very beginning of our organization so it's it's baby steps but it was a good first start yeah no it sounds um it's two things. It sounds awesome. It sounds like you've said this a lot, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but that's good. You know, I'm glad that, uh, you know, you're finding your voice and, um, you know, did you, I know you, you've got always had some off the field hobbies. I think you got your, uh, personal trainer's license, but I mean, I think yeah. you've really kind of found your footing here. You know, I know you've been a leader in college and, and now you're finding yourself as a, as not just a leader on your teams. Um, but you're also, kind of a leader for the league, um, you know, is this something – clearly you're passionate about it. Is this something we, we should expect to see going forward um, out of you? Yeah, I mean, I, like you're saying, it's I, – I take it back to the high school days and, and what that taught me. My high school was like a Catholic prep school um, in downtown Cleveland, not in the greatest part of the city. And that was really the beginning – of where all this service came from. You know, they, they taught us how to give more of ourselves. Um, the motto there is men for others. And that's, that's where I started doing things after school, small things like, you know, shoveling elderly people's driveways, um, food drives, you know, handing out food baskets, Thanksgiving, all these different types of things that taught me that there are ways to give back that didn't have to be like crazy time consuming or, um, you know, really a burden on you. And so 
I became, I really think that I became a leader off the field and in the community there. And that continued to grow. And I was doing book club stuff in, in San Jose and Toronto. And I was part of the local chapter of the NAACP at Notre Dame. And so this has always been a part of me and, you know, being able to express it with my peers within the league has been an incredibly great feeling, you know, <laughs> spending so much time together on Zoom, coordinating these things and then going to compete on the field together on the weekend has been um, an enriching feeling, uh, feeling like for the first time we're together in something, fighting that we're going to make change for the betterment of the next generation. That's, you know, that's leaving a lasting impact on this league and on this generation of professional soccer and soccer in greater North America, that's what's important to us. And so it's been really fulfilling for sure. Uh, and, and now I know I want to get to, uh, you know, I know you got to get going here. I want to get to the footballclub.org, but before I do that, um, you know, what, what do you say to, I, I know the players, you know, they, they're having these conversations and, and they're, I think, I think that soccer players, especially because it's a world's game, I think we have a different view than most Americans. Um, you know, just just having so many different people to study and things of that nature. Um, but what do you say to the fans? And I, I don't, I don't want to go off on Dallas. You know, what happened when the when we started back up? But um, normally, I would say, you know, Justin, what can the fans do to, uh, you know, if you were talking about a charitable organization, right? What can we do to build awareness and, and, and draw some support. Um, but what, I mean, what, what do you tell, you know, young fans, young people, um, you know, how can they support this movement? Because it's so important. It, it's, it affects all of us and it's not a, it's not a foundation. It's, it's a human element. I mean, it's a, it's a life thing. Um, so what, what is your message to the, the casual soccer fan, um, you know, for what, what we're trying to do here? Yeah. Us as professional soccer players, we're role models, you know, so look up to your role models. We're teaching you, we're showing you the way this is important to us. And it's not just black players for change. It's every player within major league soccer. And you've seen that you've seen the kneeling before the games. You've seen the things that we've done in Orlando. You've seen the things we've done post Orlando when we decided not to play. This is a group effort. And we're all saying that this matters to us. And so follow our lead. We are, we are, as you're saying, we're human beings and we're teaching you something that's important at a human level, not just as a professional athlete level. And that this is something that they should embrace as well and emanate it from within themselves and their own communities. If you hear something, say something. If you see something, say something. Speak up, use your voice. And that's really what's going to lead to this change that we want. Yeah, that's awesome. That's, it's a great message. And, uh, you know, I also say you were a little ahead of your time and uh, with the, the footballclub.org, you know, talking about the importance of voting. Um, you know, what, what do you what do you have going on? What do you have going on there? And what's your message now with uh, considering what's what's going to be happening here very soon uh, in, in a matter of a week? Yeah, the footballclub.org was the idea that we'd get together as professional soccer players all across the world, all across the United States and North America to come together and show that we are about our communities to show that we care about each other and to emanate that message. And so we've had a fantastic network of, of all the way down the line, you know, amateur to 
to college to semi-professional to professional athletes that have come together and and working together to spread this message and and we've been able to continue that, that with black players for change so go check out uh, blackplayersforchange.org see everything that we're doing around voting and engaging everyone to vote in this upcoming presidential election and beyond the election as well because we know staying engaged is very important for our country's future as well so both footballclub.org, blackplayersforchange.org. Check them out. Well, hey, I appreciate you uh, giving me some of your time. I know you're very busy. Um, I think it's an awesome busy. I wish I was still playing. And, um, you know, I'm glad that, that you're having success not only on the field, but I think what you're doing off the field is is more impressive to uh, to someone like me. Um, you know, I, I don't know how you're juggling it all. And, um, you know, I know it's affecting you personally, but I think you're handling it the right way and you are a great role model. So. Uh, any any time you want to, uh, you know, we can help you out from the PA standpoint. Uh, please let us know. We're we're trying to uh, trying to support anything uh, that you guys are doing, and um, you know we're in this together. And, and I want to thank you for coming on the podcast today. Yeah, Bobby, thanks for having me. Shout out to the PA as well. That's been very supportive of everything that we do in Black Players for Change. Uh, we're leading the way together. So continue to do everything that you're doing. Continue to use your voice, Bobby. And looking forward to it. Justin Moore, everybody. Thank you for listening to Play by Players. Visit playbyplayerspod.com for more episodes or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This has been a production of the MLSPA. Learn more at MLSplayers.org.